Please take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 as we probably, Lord willing, I think looking at the clock, we're going to finish today this small series about the church within the book of Acts here that we started a few weeks ago and just trying to understand that um, God really gives us the example of what a healthy church looks like in Acts chapter 2 here. And as I've said, it's my opinion, this was probably the healthiest time that we see the church. And just the simplicity of it, I, I feel like it would be so good for us just to constantly go back to and focus on what, what really makes a church healthy. In verse 41 of chapter 2, it says, So then those who had received his word <clears throat> were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls, and they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to, the, and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place to the apostles. And all those who had received, who had believed, were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all, as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. And as we see here, just this very clear picture of what God intends a local church to look like and then what it can look like with the Holy Spirit's power, it's just a, a simple thing, really, when we, when we stick to the Scripture. And I want to show you something that someone passed along to me this week. I found it very funny when they passed this along, and I hope you do as well. But this is a picture of a a church sign, and and I'm sure people were being facetious. But my question is, how did we get from Acts chapter 2 and what we just read to to this, where you have the classic service at 8 a.m., you have the contemporary at 9, the mid-century modern at 10, the post-modern at 11, the boomer service at noon, the millennials at 1, the blended service, oh yeah, and the happy hour service at 4. And we laugh at that, but there, there is somewhat of a trend in churches to bring breweries into the, into the church to, to be able to facilitate uh, people's desires along those lines. So this is not far-fetched, really. But my question is, how did we get from Acts chapter 2 to what we see today in the world of church? I would say we have significantly messed it up as a whole. And so we must constantly go back to the scriptures and find out what does God desire in a local church. So we've been trying to just focus on that over the last few weeks and um, hopefully our thoughts today will continue to be helpful. But we just want to make sure we understand our core values here at Calvary. We believe in God-centered ministry versus man-centered ministry, that God's glory is our measurement of success. It's what motivates us. We are here for God and his glory. We enjoy the, the benefits of church, but that's not primarily why we come. We come to glorify God and worship him. 
And there was a good article that came out this week <clears throat> called In Praise of the Boring, Uncool Church. And uh, it was written by a guy named Brett McCracken. And he says this, Instead of the cool church full of people who look like models, find the most faithful church full of people who are growing to look like Jesus. Instead of the church where everyone shares the same taste in style and music, find the church where everyone shares a passion for Jesus, his word, and pursuing holiness. Instead of finding a church with the most charismatic celebrity pastor, who you'll likely never meet, find the church where Jesus is the biggest star. Instead of of a church that caters to your comfort, always affirming but never challenging you, Find one where you'll be uncomfortable in a way that pushes you to grow. A church where holiness is more important than a seeker-sensitive experience. Maybe a Christianity that doesn't appeal to my consumer preferences and take its cues from Twitter is exactly the sort of faith that I need. He says that he just received messages. Again, this article came out this last week, but he says he received messages. A few messages just recently. He says, sadly, most of my friends, this is one person writing, who sought to be part of cool Christianity have walked away from God. I'm probably in the most boring church I've ever been in in this part of my life, but I've never felt more loved as part of a church family, had solid teaching, and grown the most in my faith as a result of it. Another uh, reader wrote, My desire for cool church was like an add-on to the gospel. Jesus wasn't enough, so my church social circle had to always make me feel better about myself. See, when it becomes about us, when it is man-centered, we get off track really, really fast. But when it stays anchored in in God, and he is the center and his glory then a church can sustain itself over the long haul. And I'm not trying to to cut on, so I'm not naming ministries or anything like that. My point is, what does God want for Calvary? God wants Calvary to stay anchored to his glory. That is how we will stay. And and we're looking for decades, right? We're looking at the hundred-year plan, not the quick flash-in-the-pan church that comes to the service quickly, attracts a crowd, and then is gone. We're looking at the long term. And so we want to stay focused on God-centered ministry versus man-centered ministry. We want to have experience with the word resulting in uh, exalting worship. As well, we believe in people-oriented versus program-oriented. Again, we're not against programs, but we are about people. We want to make this size church, and someone would call, some would call it big, someone would call it medium. It doesn't matter the size. Whatever size it is, we want it to feel small. We want people to feel like they are a part of something, that they are part and they are valued, and they are here for a purpose, and God can use them in our midst. And so we stay focused on people, and we use programs to facilitate discipleship. And we want experiences with other believers. And so therefore, our relationships are edifying. We do what the scripture says. We build each other up. We believe in program, uh, process focus versus event focused. We believe sanctification starts at salvation and ends at glorification. And that process is just one step after another towards Jesus. And I realize that sometimes events can help facilitate discipleship. And we have events here. But we believe just the regular 
attendance with God's people and worshiping together, that is when God accomplishes his sanctifying work as we walk with him daily. So we want to stay focused on the process of taking the next step spiritually. That's our desire for you today. Wherever you are spiritually, you take the next step. So these are our core values. And we started with just last week talking about just the idea of being an intentional church. And health requires regular evaluation. And so we must be constantly evaluating our own hearts individually and where we are as a church. And if there are areas of of the church where they're not healthy or not accomplishing what we think the Scripture wants us to, then we have to be willing to change. And we started with this first step of like what can hinder health And that is confusing form and function. When people get tied to particular forms of ministry rather than the functions of Scripture, then the church's growth will be stunted. I don't think anyone here today would say, I want to hinder the church's growth. No one would want that, right? But when we get these things confused and then we start to uh, move beyond just our own personal preferences and we take those personal preferences and we, we put them on other people and we start to look in judgment on those who do things differently than us, then the church's health does start to, to really stop. And so we have to be very careful that we want to stay anchored to the functions of Scripture. What are those? <clears throat> The functions are the direct biblical instruction for the church. What is the church supposed to do? Again, from the scripture, it's actually a pretty simple list. It's very clear, and it's very, very simple. What are the the methods by which the church used to fulfill those functions? That's what we call forms. How the application works itself out. If you were to take our church and compare it to, I don't know, the 50, maybe 75 other churches in Simpsonville. We live in the area of the country where there's a church almost on every corner. And you understand that if you've lived here for any length of time. But if you were to compare uh, the churches, the forms will be very, very different. You can have a worship service that started just around the corner at the very same time with a different group of people. And it looked very, very different than what we have done so far today. But what we have to stay anchored to is the scripture, not the application of that. So we're very, very careful in in understanding that there are different forms, there's different applications, and those are the preferences that really, when you look at the scripture, um, the, the functions are general, but the forms, they're often not described, they're often incomplete, and they're always changing. So you take just the idea of meeting, Sometimes they met in the temple. Sometimes they met out in the open. Sometimes they they met in houses. And so there's this variety of of options when it comes to the church. So Calvary has established themselves with a culture. This is kind of how we do things. And, And so, but we keep it really clear that there are certain functions we cannot separate from. That's the direct biblical commands But the applications can change, and so we're very, very careful. So what happens when those things get confused, people start to hold on to the status quo. And as I mentioned before, that we must constantly evaluate the health of the church. And if there are things happening within the church or areas within the church that are not healthy, we must evaluate and then pursue change. But when people start to defend the status quo, that's when the problems come up. 
I've mentioned it before. The last few words of a dying church is, that's the way we have always done it. And if people look at the situation and are like, well, it doesn't seem like anything's broke. Why are we trying to do anything? Why are we trying to, does it really need to be fixed? And, and, and I think that may hold up on some level. We're not changing just to change. And if you understand the last five years, you know, there's not a ton, ton of change. There's not a ton of change coming. I'm not preparing us for anything. So all the skeptics out there, you can just be at peace today. This is just philosophy. We're saying it. We said it five years ago. We're saying it again. We're going to keep saying it. Right? But we are constantly evaluating. We need to make sure that we don't just hold on to things because they are our personal preferences and, and therefore we're going to stick to our guns on it. I, I would suggest I have no problem with people who have disagreements over preferential issues. In fact, it, it's, we will find very few people that agree with us in this assembly on everything. But that doesn't have to be the focus the focus can be where it should be, on Jesus, our Messiah. He has redeemed us. He's redeeming us. He's got a plan for us, and he's going to use us in other people's lives. And so let's stay anchored to what is truly important. And when we stop carrying out the objectives in areas of our church that don't match the Scripture, then we must change. All right? So another obstacle <clears throat> would be this right here, reaction to the abuses of numerical growth, or what you could call the church growth movement. So um, I'll just try to explain this briefly. But in the, you know, starting in the 70s, 80s, 90s, uh, and, and, you know, the concepts have been there before that season of time and, and will always be there. But there came to the surface a, a pretty huge movement of people really trying to pursue church church growth. It was all about grow, 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 grow. And with the recent, um, just, you know, with the podcast with Mars Hill and then the, the problem with Hillsong and, and all these ministries that, that have had so much difficulty, right, there's been this kind of this resurgent of people thinking about really what, what should a church look like and, and, and what was really what what did God intend for the church to look like? But what happens is sometimes because we're humans, we, we like to swing on pendulums, right? So, you know, we have maybe a philosophy that I would say with the church growth movement that is very man-centered that would say, let's just get whatever group we can get in here. Let's get as many people. Let's build a brand. It's, it's really about a business. And, and, and let's just, you know, let's build, 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 build. And I get that. And, but then sometimes we swing all the way over here like anything that speaks of change or any time. We, we really live in fear. It's like we're so scared that, that something's going to fall. And, and I know people may not agree with me, but from the time I was a child, I heard this phrase. Well, it's the slippery slope. And, and that phrase, it's just not real. It's not true. And I understand sometimes when people go down a path, they keep going down a path. But so many ministries through the years have lived in fear of changing anything because of the abuses that have taken place over the years in church history. And so there's this really poor reaction to what is bad theology here. And it basically is the same type of bad theology here. That's like, we're not going to trust God. We're going to live in fear. We're going to hold on to everything that, that really is, is, would fall sometimes in, under the form category. 
And, and we're not going to just focus on the scripture and really strive to do what God wants us to do. Now, in the mystery of God, he uses all of it. There have been hundreds and thousands of people saved in all kinds of different churches. God has used all of it. But we want to stay anchored to the scripture. We don't want to build a brand. We don't want to build a business. We want to see God glorified in this assembly, not only in 2022, but for years to come. But we're going to challenge your thinking that if you're if you're kind of defending the status quo and you're one of those uh, types of, of personalities or people who are like, no change, no change. I don't like any change at all. We're going to challenge you. We're going to push you a little bit because we, we really want to see the health of the church continue and we want to see what God can do over the long haul here in Simpsonville. I'll never forget about a year into my ministry in Florida <clears throat> in the church I was, had the opportunity to serve at I had a lady come in, and she was telling me that she was leaving the church. So, first of all, I was thankful she was telling me. So many people leave the church, and they never, they never communicate. They just walk out, and the relationships that they built for years and years and years, and I don't know how people do that. I don't know how they get around that in their mind, but they just walk out, and they, they don't communicate. But thankfully, this lady came to communicate. And so, when she came in, she, she was pretty bothered, and she said, I know what you are. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. Um, this is probably not going to go well. Um, and uh, she said, you're, try- you're, you're trying to be a seeker-sensitive church. That's what you're trying to do. I'm like, I, I, so I knew she had been reading things on the Internet. Folks, please be careful what you read on the Internet. It's not all true, and, and sometimes it's not really written very well. And, and so um, she's like, you just want to have a seeker-sensitive church. And, and what motivated her, so we're... I'm, I'm dating myself now at this point. We're going back quite a few years. But I had changed from the hymn book to a screen, right? So I had started putting some songs on the screen. And her conclusion to that was that I wanted to be seeker-sensitive, right? So if you don't know what that term means, and I realize we have brand-new Christians here, and I really hesitate to even throw this stuff out here because I don't want you to be tainted by craziness, right? But when there's a man-centered approach to church, it would fall under what is called seeker-sensitive. A lot of people don't even use that term anymore, in fact, but the guy in the article just used it this week, so I was surprised about that. But I told her, I said, ma'am, and she's in heaven today, and, and so all is well. But I, I said, ma'am, if you knew my theology, like, it's impossible for me to be a seeker-sensitive church or want that, right? So I, I really think you're, you're coming to conclusions that, that aren't true. I simply was just putting a practical way for people to sing differently and changing it from a book to a screen. But that was like the thing that she identified me. She put me in a place, in, in kind of a category, and she left our church. It's like, okay, I, I can't do anything about that. And, and, and really, if, that, there's, if, you, if it means that much, uh, then there's a church that can accommodate that preference. But I am going to tell you, it's a preference. And I'm going to be very, very clear. And I will challenge people to make sure you're thinking biblically when it comes to life in the assembly of God because it matters. Jesus died for the church. We mess it up. And we have to be very, very careful that we constantly go back to the scriptures because we want God to be glorified. 
And when God is glorified, the church can be healthy. Another thing that I think is probably when you look at the church post-COVID, I think this is one of the biggest problems. As I listen to pastors, this is one of the biggest hindrances to the local church today coming out of the pandemic. And it's really the idea where people do not take personal responsibility for their role within a local church. And, And where people got this mentality is, we'll let someone else do it. There's got to be someone who can take care of that. We're going to let someone else. You know what? I have so many things going on, and, and, and I'm just not going to give. I just I don't have the time to give to the church anymore. There's just too many things in my life. Well, I think that's a problem because the Scriptures are very clear that every single member of a church has a role and a responsibility. Another article uh, says this. The title is Putting the Service Back in Worship. And uh, this writer says this. "How How many of your Sundays look like this? You show up. Parking lot attendants greet you. Faithful teachers instruct you. Ushers find you a seat. A well-practiced worship band leads singing for you. Your, your pastor preaches faithfully, God-glorifying sermon to you. Child care workers take care of your children, and after all that, you pick up your kids and you simply return home. Now, he's talking to a broad audience where a lot of churches, 20% of the people do the majority of the work. Thankfully, at Calvary, our percentages are, are more than 50% of the people who are involved in serving. But that still leaves a pretty big break. And he says, I wonder how we have strayed from the way the early, early church approached their gatherings. So let's go back to Acts chapter 2 because there's some things here in verse 43 and following. There's some indications that I, I hope will challenge you because it says in 43, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place to the apostles And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. They began selling their possession, their property and possessions and sharing with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, they continued with one mind. So if you're getting my point here, it was an all-in kind of season of time. Everyone was feeling it. Everyone shared Everyone was serving one another. The healthiest season of time in the church, from my opinion, was when God did these amazing things and everyone took personal responsibility. So, as this author describes a church experience, I wonder how many here at Calvary go through this same experience. You come every Sunday... You drop your children off to our wonderful children's workers. You're greeted. You're ushered in. You hear the music. You hear the preaching. You experience. And then you leave. And you don't repeat anything or add to it until the next Sunday. Now, I realize I'm talking to a smaller percentage of people here at Calvary because so many are serving inactive. But... I wouldn't be fulfilling my responsibility if I didn't push you a little bit. When it says everyone, it meant everyone. 
When it says all, it includes all. And when we look at the scripture from a true biblical uh, perspective, every person has been gifted to serve the Lord inside the church. And it's our responsibility to understand where that is and how I can serve Jesus. But something happened during that pandemic time, and it's been there all along. This is always the, the, you know, we have so many holes in our children's ministry right now. It's like, what happened? We didn't have that many people leave. But no one wants to serve children anymore. And I realize, I believe in spirit-motivated ministry. But sometimes it's like, you know what? There's needs. And, and we need to meet the needs. And there's a lot of people here. And I wonder if, if we're really taking responsibility or if we have allowed the effects of just being kind of cooped up and, and at home and just a, just a real quiet lifestyle and, and, and we've just pulled back so much that we're actually missing a portion of our life in the local church that God actually intends for you to be using your gifts for. He wants us to be serving one another. And service is not about a position. So you say, well, I, I'm not a deacon. I'm not a servant of a church. I, I. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have been gifted by the Spirit to serve people. So if there is someone sitting next to you, you have an opportunity. You have an opportunity when you're here assembled with them to actually meet them, get involved in their life, and then maybe start praying for them. We're not talking about high commitment here. We're talking about believers seeing the responsibility that they have to get involved in other people's life. Ministry should be taking place in our midst all the time. Imagine if we all took personal responsibility like the scripture says. And I'm just going to give you some scripture here to, to hopefully nail this thing home. Romans 12, 5 through 8. So we are many. We are one body in Christ. Individually, members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. So it's God's grace that comes, that he has given to us, each of us to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, if he, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So we have this perspective that every single person has been given by the grace of God. The Holy Spirit has been given a gift. And there's a variety of categories, and the categories in Romans are not extensive, nor in 1 Corinthians 7 here. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You have, because you fall into the each one category, you have been given a manifestation of the Spirit to help someone else. Are you using it? Are you taking personal responsibility? And you have to answer that question honestly. Are you taking personal responsibility for the gift that the Holy Spirit gave you to serve God's church? For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gift of healing by the one Spirit, and to one another, and goes on and on. 
but, to, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So again, another category of gifts. And then First Peter, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Folks, I don't see how we can get around this. And I'm being very frank with you today. If we want Calvary to continue towards health, every member must take personal responsibility for the gift that you have been given, and you must serve Jesus with it. So our numbers should go from, what, 60% of people who are actively serving to 100% because each one has been given a gift. Now, I realize there are times when physically you cannot do stuff or you go through seasons of life where things change and it's hard and difficult. I get all that. But you can still pray for one another. You can still be involved. Pick up the phone, text someone, have someone over for lunch. You can do something. But it takes personal responsibility. And if COVID had any kind of effect on your life in regards to these things, my encouragement to you is to turn back and serve Jesus while you still are able. Maybe not in the same capacity, but you can do something. So it is time to take personal responsibility. If you were to wake up today and your hand decided not to work. Some of you live with arthritis and all kinds of joint pain and you're like, yeah, that happens all the time. But for those who don't, the illustration, if if you were to wake up and your hand just didn't work, would you be able to accomplish the things that you had hoped to get done today? The answer is no. Because a part of your body is, is causing you to experience significant hardship, and it is hurting your health. The Bible makes very clear in Ephesians that every single member of the body is like a joint or a, a piece of the body. That's the illustration God gives us. So if you just say, you know what, someone else will do it. I just don't feel like it anymore. Or I'm going to let the young people do it. Or, and I could... I could go on and on. It's like saying, okay, this joint's really important, but it's just not going to operate. I don't think we can do that with God's body. It takes personal responsibility on each person's part to use the gifts that are here by the Spirit and use them faithfully for the Lord. Another obstacle, unnecessary barriers. What do I mean by this? Well, sometimes in church cultures, we can develop, every church has a culture, but we can develop things, a way that we even talk about our jargon, uh, referencing things. And and we, we have brand new believers here in our midst that they don't understand. Maybe perhaps they didn't grow up in a church culture. And so we talk as if everyone understands what we're saying. Sometimes we need to be mindful of that and, and love people enough to minister to, to everyone. We're not watering down anything. We're actually just trying to be really wise with the opportunities that God brings to us. And so we have to be very careful that we don't just make assumptions or even the way we joke and jest. 
You know, there are people here experiencing great hardship with their children and grandchildren. And sometimes joking about people's choices in their lifestyle. And, and I could give multiple, multiple ways that this plays out. But it can be kind of hurtful. You don't know what people are going through in their private lives. And sometimes we have this kind of like this Christian past that we can say these comments or joke about things that really are not funny. And they're definitely not funny to people who are experiencing the hardship of it. But we just kind of let it slide because it's just part of our culture. No, it can't be. We can do better. One thing that people have been turned off of for, for many, many years is just the idea, and I realize it's been abused, but, and, and I have a hard time with it. You can ask the, the other guys on the pastoral team. I, I grew up in a culture where there were two sermons every Sunday. There was the one before the offering, and it was about you must give, 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 give. And then there was the other sermon. And so I probably have reacted in my life to where, like, I hate talking about money ever. And if you know that about me, it's like, I rarely mention it. But when it comes up in the text, I will. And and sometimes people say, you know, you really should talk about that. And I know I should. It's just so hard for me. But that's part of the, sometimes the, the, the bad rap of church culture where people who come in, they're like, this place just wants my money. And that is not true. But if you look at the scripture, Everyone is responsible to give of the first fruits. And this is another area where it's like, I don't see how people get around this. Like serving the Lord, it's not an option. Giving to the Lord, it's not an option. But people hold their lives. It's like, okay, this is going to go better for me? Like, I, I just can't. I can't give. I, I'm just not going to. I've got too many other things. i got all these debts, and I'm not going to give. When the Scripture says, actually, we're supposed to live like this and then watch God work. But, but I realize that that has been abused in and, and many, many places that even in the health and wealth gospel, you know, they, that, that movement, they've asked people to just give money and God's going to bless your life. And, and hopefully, you know, that is not anywhere close from where we're coming from. But sometimes there are these unnecessary barriers that, that, that we have to deal with. And we have to be very, very careful. Mixed agendas. In a church, there are a number of people that come in for a variety of reasons. And we have to make sure that we constantly align our one agenda is God and his glory. And when we're tempted to bring ourselves into it, so this is not a place for you to network for your business. It's just not. This is not, you know, according to some of the, the, the strategy, you know, marketing techniques. is like look at all the social groups in your life and then try to build relationships and maybe they'll want your product. You should never view the church this way. The church is about God. He is our one agenda. And we don't look at the church, the people within the church, to get something from them. I've used the illustration before we, in, in, in another ministry where we had multiple dentists and, and people thought that they could go to the dentist and, and they would get discounts because they were you know, church members and, and they should be giving them a break. And, like, and they don't have to make money to provide for their family. Like, How do you get there? We don't use people to get something from them. We are here for one purpose, and that is to exalt our God and give him glory. So we must view the church correctly. God is our one agenda. And then thirdly, uh, lastly, 
imbalance. When a church gets so focused on the very few responsibilities that we have, outreach, discipleship, worship, if, if, if a church gets imbalanced in those areas where it becomes where we just focus on discipleship and we, we're just so poured into everybody who's within the walls that we never look outside, that's a problem. But if we're only thinking about getting those people in here and we're not tel- helping the people who are already here, that's a problem as well. Or one of the other few areas of church life, if that becomes our focus, like that's what we're known for. We're known for, you know, the music ministry at Calvary. You know, that's what we're known for in the community. Uh, like we want to be known for a healthy church that's glorifying God. Now we can try to excel in, in all the areas, but, but we want to stay balanced. And that takes regular evaluation and a hundred percent buy-in. And when we do, we then understand that it's about who we are, not what we do. Being precedes doing in a healthy church. We are the people of God, we are his bride, therefore we do. So being precedes doing, health produces growth. So we want a we want a healthy church. But we understand that that growth is not the objective. It's health. So whether we have a hundred people or a thousand people, we want to have a healthy church. So that's where we stay anchored and that's where we stay focused. And it's my prayer and it's the prayer of the pastoral team that as we've gone through this small series on the church, that, that we have, at least for the most part, a group of people who say absolutely yes. We are here for God's glory. It is what motivates us, and that's how we measure success. That's how we measure our growth. Was God glorified? Is he glorified? Are we seeking to glorify him as we move forward in the future? A healthy church, that's what we see in Acts chapter 2, but it was really, really simple. So let's continue to go back here and and in some ways keep our hands off it so that we can actually see God sustain this place for the long haul and for his glory as long as he tarries as he wants to accomplish his purposes. But it takes every single person saying, yes, I'm I'm all in. I want to honor God. And I'm, I'm therefore, I'm, I'm, a, I'm 100%. So it could be said, not that it will be, but so it could potentially be said if, if Calvary Baptist Church were being the one described. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And all those who had believed and were gathered together, they had things in common and they were sharing with one another. It's not going to look exactly like it did. It was a different context in Acts 2. But my point is the buy-in. Every person got it. Every person understood the why behind the doing. And therefore, God could accomplish some really, really great things in their midst. And that's what we want. Would you bow with me as we close our time together? You may have only caught today's message. You may have caught all the messages on, on this church series. But I am asking for you to evaluate. I'm asking, you may have heard this before, 
but I'm asking you to evaluate it from a fresh perspective today. Do I view God's bride the way the, Bib- the Bible portrays it? Is this, is this who I am? Is this what I believe about his church? And if you believe it, are you practicing, because it's who you are, you're then living it out. In the areas that you're not, maybe it's time for adjustment. Maybe it's time to recalibrate post-pandemic. Maybe it's time to really think through your priority scale of life, of what really matters. And once again, put the local church in the center because we know that that's what God is using in this time and place to accomplish his purposes. We're so thankful you're here at Par of Calvary, and we just want to keep growing we, we, as far as health is concerned. We want to be a healthy assembly. But each person has responsibility along those lines. Our God in heaven, you love your bride. You sent your son to purchase your church with his own blood. It came at a great cost. So God, you have purposes that you want to continue to accomplish until you come. and You're going to use your church to do that. So I pray that you would help us to stay anchored to what truly your word says about the local church. Help us to hold tight to the functions of Scripture, your direct commands. And help us to hold loosely to the forms that many times, even in your own word, are cha- were changing and they weren't described. Lord, I pray that we would be faithful members of your body, that we would see whatever role we play, whatever joint or, or body part that we are, I pray that we would be faithful. Lord, be glorified in the days to come, we ask. We understand that your glory should be at the center of this place. That's what we want, Lord. And so we ask for it. In your name we pray. Amen.